Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. There's not a lot to be happy about these days in Iran. This Middle Eastern country has seen a lot of grief and conflict, and it doesn't look like it will be ending anytime soon. I've asked Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, to fill us in on the details of a nation in grief. Lincoln, what do we need to know? Well, I just want to talk a little bit about Iran. Together with Russia, which has been redaubed with red paint, I think, for the popular conception. Most people seem to have forgotten that the Soviet Union collapsed. Russia has re-emerged as a large state, and, and they may have meddled in our elections, and we may have meddled in theirs, and so on. You know, <laughs> that's true. a furor <laughs> that, that we'll hear more about. Yeah. But Iran troubles me because it's also in the news again. This new administration has decided to revoke our uh, agreement that, as I remember, was actually approved by the Congress and brought into by the European Union. So it was more than just a single little agreement. This was a major treaty, and it would have been a new era in dealing with Iran. But it's been thrown out the window, and we're back to uh, threats and hyperbole and, and real actions. So let me tell our listeners something from my perspective. Mm-hmm. When I was a young guy, my father was traveling for the Seventh-day Adventist Church, all over the world, representing its interest in encouraging people toward healthy living, drug and alcohol-free living. He traveled to Iran, and on one of the trips, he took our family there. And I will never forget it. One weekend, we were there three or four days, I think, but included the weekend. And and so this weekend, we headed out into the country, drove a long way, and we attended a Christian camp for our church, for Seventh-day Adventists. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the numbers. You know, my memory's fading a bit. It was decades, many decades ago. But there were a lot of people. At a guess, I'd say a couple of hundred people at a camp meeting. Mm-hmm. Christians that shared the same faith as me. We had not necessarily cultural affinities, but we were brothers in Christ, and it was a friendly time. We sang some of the same songs. Many of them spoke English. You know, they were not strangely garbed or alien-looking people, even for that matter. They were nice, friendly fellow human beings. And I remember, too, in Tehran, the capital, I remember walking down the main street, and on that same trip, we'd gone to Paris in France. And it struck me how very similar to the boulevards in Paris Mm. were some of the main streets in Tehran. The French influence there was incredibly strong. It was interesting to, to go to the museum where all of the uh, the royal artifacts were kept. And at the time, the king, Reza Pahlavi was his name. He was the, uh, the, the autocratic ruler. U.S. supported him all the way. In fact, he had been placed back on his throne by a CIA plot. I was listening this morning on, on one of the news stations, and, and they had the ambassador from the U.S. who had been Roosevelt. He was a relative of the famous Roosevelt's. Mm-hmm. And he, he had told how he'd engineered the plot. There's no secret. And amazingly, he said that they'd had, uh, I think it was a couple of million dollars for the plot, but they accomplished it by spending no more than 300000 mm-hmm. 
but it was a direct, not a proxy plot. It was the U.S. acting in their interest because at that time the elected prime minister of Iran, Mossadegh, was a nationalist and he threatened to nationalize the oil interests. And England was upset and America always moving into the breach uh, was upset. And so they wanted to order things to our liking. So we were messing with an election over there, right? Big time. <laughs> we upended it. But most Americans have forgotten that. Yeah. And most Americans have forgotten also, while the Shah was not totally good for his country, he modernized it and did many, many good things. And, and the Shah was a ruler when I was there. His picture was everywhere. Most people spoke well of him. I, I can't say that I picked up that it was a nation in deep rebellion or, or antipathy against the royal family. And the Shah's wife was a very gracious lady who, uh, again, was working on women's issues in, in Iran and so on. They were moving, not so, I shouldn't say they were moving toward the, the modern world. They were part of it. Mm -hmm. Where they were a little backward is out in the villages. But, of course, you know, I could say the same about Appalachia <laughs> or somewhere. <Yes. laughs> uh, but in Tehran, a modern first world city. Yeah. I remember at the time reading in the newspapers many stories, glowing stories, of Iran being our top ally in the Middle East. We'd armed them to the teeth, and they were our you know, forward base against communism and all the other isms and oil threats that we were, we were trying to counter. And in a flash, all of that disappeared. And, of course, it happened at a very uh, difficult time when the Shah got caught up in his own repressive techniques. The people had had enough of it. It's worth remembering through our present situation in the U.S., when you have strong autocratic leaders, other leadership withers away. Mm. And there's always a problem when that person leaves. Who fills the gap? Oh, really? And the only person that was ready to move in when the people rebelled against the Shah and he uh, lit out for the West... He was sick with cancer at the time, so he obviously didn't have his heart set on staying in power. The only person that could fill in was a religious leader, the Ayatollah Khomeini. Mm -hmm. Those that know realize it was an Islamic society. But I can tell you, Iran then, and I think now, is not of the sort of Islamic fanaticism and even an alien cultural look that many Christians in the West see in other parts of the Middle East. It's not even an Arab culture. Yes. These are Persians, a great and respected imperial identity from way back before Christianity and Islam. And it sort of hurts me as an accidental tourist of those days to see where we've come in demonizing a country that's under the rule of some crazy mullahs. There's no question. Once they got power, it's never good to give the clergy <laughs> secular power. That's the whole point of Liberty Magazine. We argue against that. But I think they've, in essence, hijacked the whole country. And if we had a little patience and a little imagination on how we deal with them, we could disenfranchise that group and welcome that country back. But instead, we're sort of heading straight toward the guns of August. <laughs> Don't think oh, to use an image. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's not good for the whole world. But um, in particular, is that good for religious freedom, ultimately? Mm -hmm. Here's a nation that are being held by a, a radicalized version of their own cultural religion, which I think is not enamoring them with Islam. And yet here you have the West, America, the great Satan, that they still write up now and then. Right. But I don't think there's deep-seated hate for America. What we're creating, though, is a sense of moral ambiguity where they come to equate 
Western political moves with Christianity, and that's not good. We're ourselves poisoning their view of Christianity, and then in reacting so harshly with them, we're guaranteeing that Christians who are still in Iran, Baha'i who are there, and other minorities, that they're going to be persecuted Mm -hmm. even more vigorously than in the past. We tend to just lump people together. We tend to lump religions together, uh, nations together. It's like we, we, we don't understand yeah. that, okay, there are Christians, and then there are Christians, and then there are Christians, and those right. individual groups are not necessarily acting as one. Am I on the right track? Right. You know, the Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge, mm-hmm. destroyed for lack of knowledge. And as I listened to the news this morning, they were trying to joke about the news a bit, and I'm thinking, how ignorant. Yeah. You know, they, they said sanctions that are about to kick in are going to uh, make it almost impossible for Iranian cars to be made and exported. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, yeah, I don't want, you know, and they mocked the sort of car that would come out of Iran. They don't know how the car business works. Yeah. American and European car manufacturers are in Iran. They make the same cars we buy here, you <laughs> know, right. whether it's Mercedes or Peugeot or whatever. Mm-hmm. These are off-site assembly points for the major car manufacturers. And, and most people that listen to the news forget that in the post-World War era, even some what we think of as are almost third-world countries are quite modern, have an industrial infrastructure, they have a rapidly uh, modernizing middle class and living standards, and these are not the savages that a gunboat diplomat could deal with. And, and we need to see, again, going back to religion, that we're all creatures of a creator God and that these inalienable rights that Jefferson so grandly evoked, the right to faith and self-determination, they're global. And we need to look at this in a charitable way. Of course, America first, looking out for our political interests. But don't let that be an excuse to squash their sense of self and their dignity as human beings. Mm, mm, mm. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, you know, I am absolutely in agreement with this because, as you know, I've talked with you about this on the air. I used to live in Beirut, Lebanon, and I've lived in other countries of the world. And it doesn't take very long to realize when you live in a country that, hey, this is like my country, only they have a different language. These people are just exactly like me, the grocer, the photographer that you go and you learn from, the school teacher, the the people on the street. These are just people. These are people just like me. We come from the same mold. We come from the same creator's hand. And even though we might dress differently, we might talk differently, we might worship differently, below all that, just below the surface, we are identical. Identical. And when we start grouping people together and calling these people names and labeling them and whatnot, we are doing a disservice not only to their nation and to this world, but we're doing a disservice to us because we are describing ourselves in the same language that we are describing them. Am I on the right track? Absolutely. And yeah. what I'm calling for is Christian charity. Yes. You know, yes. the West, it's not just the U.S., the West, but the U.S., in particular, since we're here and talking about it, yeah. has played this game before. Oh. We had a massive war with Japan that started with trying to squeeze them back into the Stone Age, yeah. Yeah. where people were dying and starving. Well, let's go more recent. In Iraq, after the first Gulf War, yeah. we tried to starve them to death. Hundreds of thousands of kids died of starvation. How is Christianity, freedom, westernization, whatever you want to call it, how is it helped by such a thing? 
These are the old methods of the medieval thumbscrew yes. era, in my view. They're not the times of persuasion, of uh, a shared uh, vision of what, what it is to be, uh, you know, nations that, that are on an interconnected world. And, you know, this is a, a radio station to individuals. We're not talking to the government, but right. the government is made up of us in theory. Yes. We've got to have a larger charity. As I said in another program, the framers of the U.S. believed that a true and just government functioned best with a religious public sentiment. And so we need to turn it around, project those principles through the country. And as the Bible says, blessings will follow. Mm. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. I love it when you give us some hope and that there is light at the end of the tunnel, but that light is being shown by us. We need to be the light at the end of the tunnel. www.libertymagazine.org is our website. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at the same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>